Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Go with me today uh, in your Bibles if you have one. Uh, some of you have the digital form, so go ahead and turn your Bible on uh, in a completely practical way. Turn your Bible on and just scroll through. Click on 1 Corinthians 13. It's a book. Uh, you know, 1 Corinthians is a book in the New Testament. For some of you that have the old school paper Bibles, like Maria right in the front, come on, somebody. Old school ruffling the papers. Um, go, go just flip over there to the New Testament. Uh, go into 1 Corinthians. Once again, this, this book was actually a letter uh, written by a guy named Paul, who was one of the great writers of the New Testament, wrote like two-thirds of it, so he had some stuff to say. God used him in a real powerful way, and, and he happens to write this, what was known as a letter, to uh, the people of Corinth. It wasn't even necessarily specifically written to the church at Corinth. It was written to the believers at Corinth. And so he sent this there, and he sent this letter there because he was getting word back that the the Christian community was not expressing some things in the way they should. As a matter of fact, we talked about it on week one. What was taking place is believers were at odds with one another. They They were getting bitter at one another. Now, that would never happen here at Canvas Church, but you know what I'm talking about, right? They're getting upset with one another. They're offended with one another. They're taking each other to court over, over simple things, and they're not walking on the same page and loving together and living together in, com- in community. And so Paul catches word of this, and he says, hold on a second. We need to adjust and address this thing. And so that's why he begins to write uh, this, this letter. And it's written from this very logical perspective, all right? I know sometimes we read the Bible, and as we read the Bible, we read it as a list of do's and don'ts. Anybody read it that way? Or am I the only one? I guess I'm the only one. Okay. I happen, when I read the Bible sometimes, to read it as a list of do's and don'ts. But what we need to understand is that's not the way the Bible was written. The Bible was written in a very logical, practical way to address some concerns that were happening in the people. That's the New Testament. The Old Testament was written to really record uh, this, this journey that was taking place. But it was written in a very practical, logical way. I don't know about you, but in my house, I do have some house rules in my house for my kids. But those house rules developed over time. It's not like the moment my kid could talk, I sat them down and went over a list of rules. Are you with me? Right? No, what happens is as, as they grow and you observe their behavior, you catch them in that moment and say, oh, oh, honey, hey, come over here. That's not the way we, we do that. Okay? You don't set out a bunch of lists of do's and don'ts and rules. You just kind of, they grow into it. That's what's taking place here in Corinth. There's some things that are happening, and so Paul sits down and writes a very logical explanation and a very logical answer to some of the questions, and that's what we have here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 when it comes to this idea of love, and it's agape love, the four types of love that we talked about. You can get the podcast, but we're talking about agape love. This, this, it's not an eros love. It's not an emotional, self-seeking, self-driving love that does things for its own benefits, but the love that we're going to read about here in 1 Corinthians 13 is this thing called the agape love. It's a Christ-centered, Christ-honoring love that puts the needs and the concerns of others before self. Are you with me? And so when he writes that, that's what he's talking about, okay? But they needed their, their filter changed. They needed their filter swapped out. And so with that understanding, uh, let's read together uh, 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 1. I'm actually going to back it up uh, one, one verse into 12. You won't have it on the screens. But it says this, and Paul writes about the gifts of the Spirit. And he gets to the end of chapter 12, and he says, But desire the greatest gifts, talking about the gifts of the Spirit, those things that God gives us to help build the church and build one another up. You know, desire the greatest gifts. Now listen to this. And I will show you an even better way. 
I'll show you an even better way. So desire the things of God, desire the gifts of God, those things that'll help you build a biblical community, but don't get stuck on that. I'm gonna show you a better way right now. And then he goes into chapter 13, and here's what it says. It says, if I speak human or angelic languages, but, but do not have love, I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Powerful. And if I donate all my goods to feed the poor and, and give my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. For love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy is not boastful, is not conceited, does not act improperly, is not selfish, is not provoked, and does not keep a record of wrongs. It's one of my favorites. Highlight that, underlight that. Every time my, my wife confronts me, I'm like, hey, babe, babe. Like, I know I didn't do the dishes, but come on. Why are you keeping record? <laughs> Love finds no joy in unrighteousness but rejoices in the truth. It, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I love this. Love never ends. Amen. But as for prophecies, they will all come to an end. For all languages, they will cease. Uh, as for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect Jesus comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Listen to what he's telling them. He's telling them, you guys are acting childish. That's what he's saying. Hey, guys, when I, when I, when I was young, I acted like you're acting right now. Huh. Like a child. I reasoned like a child, but when I became a man, ugh, I put aside childish things, and you probably need to do that as well. For now we see indistinctly as in a mirror. But then face to face, now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three remain. What are they? Faith, hope, and love. Period. Wait, there's one more thought. But the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that, Lord, you would use me uh, to communicate to this incredible group of people uh, that have chosen to come to Canvas today what your word tells us about how we ought to live as, 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 as a spiritual community. Uh, God, I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth would be under your glory and be to, 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 to us to learn and to grow in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I am, I am super pumped about today, not only because I'm here uh, with one of the most incredible churches in San Diego, um, but I'm super pumped today about the message, but not just that. I'm super pumped today because tonight I start in a brand new basketball league. Come on, somebody. Okay. I am. I'm really excited about it. I was like a kid last night on Christmas Eve, and I was like, I could barely sleep. And part of it was because I was excited about church, but the other part was like, I'm starting in a basketball league again tonight. And it's been like eight months since I played in a league. And then this morning, the worst thing about playing in a basketball league on Sundays is this morning, I'm already getting texts from my guys like, hey, I'm sick. I can't come. Hey, I'm sick. I can't come. And I'm like, I'm supposed to be preaching right now, right? Get behind me, Satan. I can't think about that right now. But I love, I'm so excited about it. And I started playing in basketball leagues as soon as I moved back to uh, San Diego back in 2008. It was like one of the first things I did. You can ask my wife. I was online searching for basketball leagues, and I found one. And so since 2008, I've been playing in these leagues nonstop. And, uh, and I didn't know a whole lot of people when I moved back to San Diego. And so I did what any basketball player would do. I started recruiting people. Come on, somebody. 
And I was having a hard time, and so but I was asking in my new church, I was like, hey, do you play basketball? And they're like, oh, yeah, I play basketball. I'm like, sweet, you want to be on my team? They're like, yeah. I'm like, great, come be on my team. I asked somebody else, hey, do you play basketball? Oh, yeah, I used to play. And, All right, sweet. I've learned something. It's the people that say, oh, dude, I'm really good, that usually aren't. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it's the people that played off, like, yeah, I, I can play a little bit, and they get on the court, and you're like, yeah, right? Well, I remember that first season, I, I, I got some guys from the church, and then some random guys I found. And, and unfortunately, like the minute the ball was tipped, I realized something. Their idea of playing basketball was completely different from my idea of playing basketball. Right? Yeah, you were there. You remember. And uh, I'm just glad Camillo's athletic. You know, he helped us out. Like, I mean, it was good. Like, but he remembers some of the people, and it's like, dude, you said you could play. It's like, I am playing. It's like, oh. Okay. You know? And I realized something that everybody kind of has a different filter when you ask them this certain question. Do you play basketball? Uh, uh, you know, because I played college ball, and you know, when you get to college ball, you're there because you got recruited, right? But when I'm no longer playing college ball, and I'm, I'm going to play some pickup ball and get a you know, men's league, they're like, oh yeah, I played, and they didn't tell me that they played back in sixth grade. Come on, somebody. And they still play like they're in sixth grade. Well, and so we get on the court, and I kid you not, like, dude, shooting, and I kid you not, he'll remember it. Ball is going over the backboard. Not hitting the backboard, going over the backboard. And we're looking at him like, dude, what's wrong? He goes, well, that was a good shot. True story. And I learned something real quickly in that moment that everybody kind of has a different filter when it comes to things. And that is what Paul is addressing here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He looks at him and he says, guys, hold on a second. I know you think that you're living in love, but, but you're, on a, you're, on, you're, on a diff, you're like sixth grade. You're childish, man. That is not biblical love. What, what you're expressing right now? No, 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 no. I know you said you wanted to be a Christian. I know you said you, you're, you're loving one another. But guess what? Your filter is off. And so Paul now has to come, and he has to begin to place a new filter on them and say, hey, hold on a second. This is what love really is. And when he begins to align this thing, he begins to line this thing up. Now they're on the same page. Now listen to me. Had those guys came and told me they played when they were in sixth grade, I would know what level they're at. And I would still probably get them on the team. They would just be getting the water. Come on, somebody. Right? Just because they played at a different level don't mean they can be on the team. They can learn. They can grow. And Paul is saying, hey, guys, we just need to level it out here for a minute. And we need to talk about what, what kind of love we're, we're, we're after here. We're after an agape love. We're after a love that is not self-seeking, that is not self-serving, that is not focused on you, but we're talking about an agape love that focuses on Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, what's so great about the book of 1 Corinthians and even 2 Corinthians is that once again, it is written not to hire up leaders. Like when you get to, to Timothy and Titus and those books, those are actually written to a pastor, and so when you read those, you got to read them through that filter. Okay, that's written to a pastor. Okay, so pastors, da-da-da-da, okay? But, but Corinthians is actually written to every believer in Corinth to be circulated, like here's how you ought to live. And what's so awesome about the, the church in Corinth is that it wasn't built on these super powerful, like, communicators and pastors. It was literally built on the baristas. Come on, somebody. Starbucks, Right? It was built on, on, on the stay-at-home moms. It was built in the guy that just was out there building houses, trying to do his best. And what Paul says is, guys, we can change the world. But see, the minute we think change the world, the minute we think, hey, I want to change the world and do something great for God, we think we got to have some big, awesome movement. We think we got to have some great name. 
We think we got to do something really significant. But here's the cool thing about the book of 1 Corinthians. It's saying, hey, no, the way we change the world is when we understand unity and walking in faith and walking in love with one another. Then the world peers in and says, wow, there's something different about that group of people. Are you with me? That's what this is being. That's just this perspective. You want to know how to change the world? Man, walk in love. Walk in agape. Focus on Christ. And he writes this. And it's written to these people. And they begin to learn it. Here's, here's what he's dealing with. I already kind of mentioned it to you earlier. I mentioned that he's dealing with people that are living at odds with one another. They're, they're bitter at each other. They're not forgiving one another. Okay? They're not making restitution with one another. So therefore, they're at odds. This is, this is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the very beginning of the letter. Okay? And I'm going to read it to you so you know exactly what Paul's up against. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 10, and, and this is what he, you know, he says the opening greetings. Hey, what's up, guys? Heard, heard some stuff's going on. Love you. And then he gets right to the point. Listen to it, starting in verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 1. He says, now urge you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say. Pause for effect. That there be no divisions among you. Selah. And that you be, now listen to it, that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. For it has been reported to me about you, my brothers, by members of Chloe's household, that there is rivalry among you. What I am saying is this, in case you're not catching it, let me just break it down. What I'm saying is this. Each of you says, I'm with Paul, or I'm with Apollos, or I'm with Caiaphas, or I'm with Christ. And then he asks this question, is Christ divided? It's kind of a rhetorical question, right? Is Christ divided? Was, was, was Paul, who was crucified for you, or were you baptized into Paul's name? What's he saying here? He's looking at the body of Christ. He's looking at the church, and he's like, man, there's divisions. People are going off with this guy, and then other people are going with this guy, and, and then people are going with this guy. They're missing something. They're not living properly. That's not what it's about. They're to have the same conviction. They're to walk in the same direction. They're to go in the Are you with me today? Okay. And so this is what he's up against. And as he's up against this, he literally begins to write about one of the things that separates you is that you're not loving each other. And it's getting quiet. It's usually a good sign, I think. And then he writes this right before he writes this chapter 13 that we just read. So if you want to go there, you can, but it's 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 20. And he's talking about this concept of, 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 of the church. He says, hey, the church, man, it's, 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 it's one body, but just like the body has many members, so does the church. And so he's writing on this idea, and he says, for as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body. See, also is Christ. So also is Christ. For we were all baptized by the one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we are all made to drink of one spirit. So the body is not one part, but many. Now listen to this. He gets real practical. Remember, it's real logical. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I, I don't belong to the body, in spite of this, it still belongs to the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? You with me? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But now God has placed each one of the parts in the body, 
just as he wanted. Notice that. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? Now, there are many parts, but yet one body. This is what he's up against. He sees the divisions. He sees what's going on. He sees that people are being separated. And out of that, he writes, we, we, we need to address this idea of love. And can I tell you something? Although this was written a long time ago to a church at Corinth, the reason it is in the Bible today is probably because God knew we would need to read it because it probably still exists today. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Good preaching, pastor. <laughs> right? Probably still exists today. And Paul is up against this. He says, guys, what makes the body so beautiful is that there are many parts. Here's the problem, okay? Here's the problem. This is what we do. We gift project. What do I mean by that? We gift project. So if I'm an eye and I see, I'm trying to get the foot to see it. Now look at that. Now that is awesome. Do you see it? And the foot's like, no. And it's like, what's wrong with you? What do you mean you don't see it? It's right there. And the foot's like, oh, I'm sorry, and I don't have an eye. Well, and here's what we do. We, we, we think, well, I can see it. How come you can't see it? And then all of a sudden now the eye is ticking off the foot. Not realizing that if I tick off the foot, I can see it all I want, but I ain't ever going to get there. Good preaching, Pastor. And this is what he's talking about. We gift project. We want to get everybody to see what we see. We want to get everybody to walk the direction we walk. And, and when, it, when it doesn't happen, we're like, man, come on, what's wrong with you? How come you don't love the way I, how come you don't act the way? How come you don't talk the way? And how come, are you with me? We gift project. But if we would step back for a moment, we would realize what makes the body of Christ so beautiful, so vibrant, so wonderful is that it is built on an expression of gifts, a diversity of talents. And if we would start embracing those gifts and those talents rather than judging those gifts and talents, come on, the kingdom of God could further the purpose of Jesus Christ. Amen. But we gift project. Listen, it happens at the basis levels. It happens within marriages. Well, what do you mean you don't get it? Right? Well, why can't you see this? They can't. They got different gifts. What makes your marriage so great is not that you're exactly the same, but what makes your marriage so great is that you complement one another. And because you complement one another, man, you can actually do something together. Amen. See, I'm telling you right now, the minute we start looking at what someone else is not doing rather than concerning ourselves with what we are supposed to do, we are getting off and we'll never accomplish the cause of Jesus Christ. But if we focus on, hey, I'm the eye. Hey, foot. Hey, let's walk forward. Amen. Paul sees this. He's like, man, matter of fact, uh, if we're all eyes, okay, the last time I checked, it's the, there's this idea of inbreeding. And if everything's the same and everything just keeps getting together as the same, last time I checked, it, scientific studies say you produce retardation. Pastor, that's horrible. No, no, listen to me. Paul actually addresses these ideas in other books. He says, no, there's something wrong. You can't all be an eye because you'll never get to the destination. You can't all be an ear and embrace the diversity of gifts, for this is the way that God builds his church. That's what I love about Canvas. I love that Pastor Brandon and Mel were here last week. And Pastor Brandon was preaching. And he preaches through the filter of who he is. And you could receive and be like, wow. And then some of you are like, why can't we have Pastor Brandon more? And then I get my feelings hurt. And 
That's what I love. I, I love that Jeff and Christy have, have different gifts than I do. I love that Camillo and Sharnika have different gifts. I love that Johnny and Maria have different gifts than I do. I love that, that, that Tom and Kim have different gifts than I do. But together, I love that the ministry team that's represented within the church, they're all unique and they're all different. But together, man, we make a beautiful body. Amen? A chiseled, muscular, in shape body. Come on. Come on. We need your gift, man. We need who you are. God needs who you are. The kingdom of God needs who you are. Are you with me? Amen. And Paul looks at this and says, man, this isn't happening. That's why he says, look, you can have all the gifts at the end of chapter 12. You can have all the gifts. You can have all these things working for you. But let me show you a better way. A better way is if you learn to love one another. Because listen, if the eye and the foot are fighting, it is ugly. But if you guys could just get together and walk in love and in unity and in harmony, man, we can advance the kingdom of God in a beautiful and an awesome way. It's so awesome. And so we embrace the gifts. We don't judge the gifts. We embrace the gifts. And Paul says, look, the way that's going to happen is you got to love, man. If you don't have love, you are just a clanging. Right? What it says. Sound effects are a bonus. Right? You're just a gong. Like... And that happens sometimes, and Paul realizes it. That happens sometimes in biblical, biblical community. So he goes, here, guys, here, here's what love needs to look like. He says, hey, guys, hey, 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 hold on, hold on. I see the gifts. I see the divisions. Here's what you need to do, man. This love that I'm talking about, you guys just need to chill out a little bit, and you need to have patience. Because this love I'm talking about, it's patient. It doesn't, it doesn't make flippant decisions. It doesn't rush to do anything. It, it puts the brakes on. He says, hold on a second, we're, we're, we're walking together in this thing. Love is patient. Because I'm patient, then you know what? It's expressed in kindness, right? We're, we're, we're kind to one another. Don't, don't you love it when someone's kind to you? Yeah, some of you like, I uh, never experienced it. I don't know. No, come to Canvas. We love you. We're kind. It's kind. And listen to what it says. It's kind, guys. It says, does not envy what others have. Love is not envy. It doesn't look at somebody else and be like, oh, I wish I had that gift. <sighs> Their gift is so awesome. Oh, look, we, we, your gift is awesome too. And it doesn't practically or even logically envy what other people have. No, no, this kind of love that, that is supposed to be seen in a biblical community, we don't look at what somebody else has. And then on the flip side of that, love does not boast. Look at me. I have the mic. I am the pastor. Hear me roar, right? No, it doesn't boast. Sorry. <laughs> it doesn't boast. It's not going to be like, hey, this is the way it should be because it's not gift projecting, right? It's not conceited. It doesn't, doesn't put, it's not self-seeking and putting itself first. It does not behave improperly. Oh, well, what's improper? Well, there's, there's you know, a whole bunch of other books, 65 of them that talk about that. Right? Does not behave improperly. Is not selfish. Oh, I love this one. It's not provoked. Now, within a biblical community, we're, we're not provoking one another. Why? Because we have agape love. Well, pastor, I don't know. I've been at Canvas for a while, and I've seen some people provoked. Yeah. So did Paul in the church of Corinth. And so he brought them back to a biblical perspective. And they're like, oh, listen. Well, we're not saying that, that the church is perfect. We're saying that church, hey, these things happen. Man, offense is going to happen. You're going to get offended at somebody. 
And you're probably going to be at odds with somebody. You're probably not always going to see eye to eye. But, but God's building his church, and he puts you there. And so when you don't see the eye to eye, and when you're offended at somebody, here's what you can do to work that out and continue to walk in agape. Oh, okay. So if it arises, it's okay. Yeah, it happens. But then we know how to deal with it. Amen. It is not provoked. And here's why. It does not keep a record of wrongs. One of my favorites in the Bible, or in this verse, chapter, Here's why. I, I don't know about you. Maybe this is just me. But when someone sits down to talk with me on, about something, they say, hey, you know, I want to talk about something. Yeah, well, you know, this, this, and this. And you, know, and you always do that. The minute they say you always do that, I don't know about you, but I check out. <laughs> well, let me tell you, you always do. <laughs> oh, you're pastor, you're being defensive. No, 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 I'm not being defensive. I'm being biblical. Oh, yeah, use it. No, I'm being biblical. Because the biblical perspective would have been, I saw this happen, and I'll be honest with you, I've never seen it happen before, but it's not the right way, and, 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 and so I just want to share with you that this is what I saw happen. What's going on, pastor, or what's going on, whoever you're talking to? If you literally sit down and say to somebody, hey, by the way, man, you did this, and you always do that, that means you've been keeping a record of their wrong. But within a biblical community, when offense arises, what are you supposed to do? Matthew 18, if, you, if someone offends you, go to that person. But when we get offended, what we do is we, you know, we got a chip on our shoulder. That's a chip. It's heavy, man. It is heavy. You know? And then the problem is, is to get ourselves balanced out, rather than seeking forgiveness, we put a chip on the other shoulder. You laugh, but it's true. And then we feel more balanced. Like, yeah. Right? Right? But the biblical perspective, I had a chip on my shoulder. It's like, you know what, that person, you go to that person. Hey, by the way, I'll, you might not even know this, but you know what? You, you, you offended me. Oh, my gosh. W will you forgive me? Yeah. I don't want to right now. I want to be mad at you. But, right? but what happens is someone comes, hey, this is what you do. This is what you always do. I'm checked out. All right. So I hear somebody crumpling up paper right now. I better not go to Pastor Ben with that. <laughs> Keeps no records of wrong. Is somebody learning something today? Amen. Okay. Does not find joy in unrighteousness. Amen. Rejoices in the truth. Woohoo! Bears all things. And this is the kind of love. It believes all things. I love this part. Hopes all things. Man, that kind of love within the church community, man, we, we can do this. Man, I believe it. Man, we're on the same page. Man, I'm hopeful about the future. God is good. People are being saved. Lives are being transformed. Amen. Man, it's a rough crowd today. Endures all things. Endures all things. This is what a biblical community looks like. No, it's not perfect, but it learns how to work through things together. Love never fails. Love never fails. Pastor, but what needs to happen? Let me tell you what needs to happen. The filter needs to change. The love filter needs to change. Just like my, my basketball experience, I had to begin to ask, hey, 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 let me ask you a question. You play basketball? Yeah, I play basketball. Awesome. Hey, at what level? Okay. Can I talk to your former coach, please? Right? I had to learn to ask some questions. Let me give you three questions you can ask yourself when you're walking through this process. Number one, when it comes to agape love, this love filter that we need to have, here's the questions you can ask yourself. Number one, what is the most Christ-honoring thing to do? What's the most Christ-honoring thing to do? In this moment, 
at this junction, as I'm working in this biblical community and something's happened, what is the most Christ-honoring thing I could do? Remember those little bracelets, what would Jesus do? Yeah. Think through that filter. What's the, right now with what's going on in my community that I love and what's happening with this person, ah, man, I want to walk in this agape. What is the most Christ-honoring thing I could do? What would I do? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says that we do everything for the glory of God. So think through that filter. What is the most Christ-honoring thing I could do right now? The second question you ask yourself is what is best for others? Here's the problem. Too often times we ask what is best? We might ask the first one, what's the most Christ-honoring thing? And then we go to the second one, like what's, what's best for me? No, what's best for others? That's agape. Well, what's best, what's best for everyone else in the equation? What's best for them? And think through that filter. Philippians 2.4 tells us to not only look out for our own interests, but the interest of others. Good preaching, pastor. And lastly, here's your third question you can write down. Okay, as you're walking through this thing. Third question you write down is, what will be a win for the kingdom of God and the local church that I'm a part of? What will be a win for the kingdom of God and the local church that I'm a part of? Why is this so significant? Because we all on the same team. I watched three games yesterday. My daughter was in. And when they're playing together as a team, guess what they usually get? A W. A win. When all of a sudden they start playing selfishly and focusing on their own game and doing their own thing and trying to drive one against five, guess what they usually get? A loss. But when each person on the team is doing the thing they're supposed to be doing and focusing on their part rather than picking apart the other person, when they're all focused together and they say, man, what's going to be best for the team? What's going to be best for the kingdom of God in my church? Guess what usually happens? We get a W. The kingdom of God wins. Here's honestly what I think we need to do as a, as a biblical community, not just within Canvas, but, but probably across the globe, is if we have this proper filter and we ask ourselves these questions, what is the most Christ-honoring thing I could do right now? Secondly, what is, what is the best for other people? And thirdly, what will be a win for the kingdom of God and the local church I'm a part of? As we begin to do that, I, begin, we'll be, I believe we'll begin to see agape arise in our community, and they will see and know that we're Christians, come on, because of our... Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.